0: and you know before uh we get into our scripture reading this morning uh briefly just want to share a story i shared it with my experiencing god uh group that we're doing on wednesday night and a couple of them them like oh well you should share that with other people and so uh basically uh it's that last week i was out if you were here last sunday then uh you know i missed you or you missed me or however you want to word it uh, i was off in, in north carolina visiting with um, for Thanksgiving, visiting with my family and with a, with the a previous church that I had served up there. Uh, and I'm grateful that we had Mercy Hotchkin to preach. Uh, she is the wife of our student pastor, Shane, and, and we're so incredibly blessed, you know, the, uh, that they are part of our church family and that she was able to preach and share. And so I'm, I know that you all enjoyed that. Uh, it's good to be back with you. But as I said, last Sunday, I was up in North Carolina. It was the uh, first church that I had served uh, still when I was a student in school, a small uh, little Rural church out in the the middle of nowhere, uh, kind of North Carolina, a beautiful place, great people. Um, And when I was there, uh, we gone up there to celebrate Thanksgiving, and then uh, that Sunday, uh, their pastor got sick, and so um, I was like, you know what? I guess I could fill in. You know, I've, I've. I've been, I've been in this place before, so I, could, I, I guess I could do that if that's all right. And so they were they were good about that. Uh, and that Sunday morning, there was a young man who came that, you know, I hadn't seen, well, I hadn't seen most of the people since I had been there, but but him in particular had been a long time. Uh, and his name was Hunter. And now, uh, kind of going back, when I first started at the church, about a couple years after I'd been there, uh, this couple started attending, a couple named Danny and Gayla, and uh, they were attending pretty regularly. And then... Um, just kind of out of nowhere, one day, their grandson, uh, Hunter, started to attend with them. And Hunter was in high school, and it was a small church, and he was probably probably the only high school student. He was the only high school student in the church. Uh, out of everybody who was there, there were only a handful of them, most of them mine, uh, that were high school aged and younger. Uh, but he just came every Sunday, and I'm like, I don't... At first, I didn't think that he would stick around. You know, I mean, he came for his grandparents. That was nice, but he'll probably go on. But he was there every Sunday morning, uh, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. And then he graduated high school and he moved to South Carolina. And I never thought our paths would cross again. Well, he happened to be there for Thanksgiving. uh, You know, that's the thing to do. You go be with family. He was there that Sunday morning after the service was over. He had gone out. Uh, I would said hey to him. I would said hey to his wife as she left as well. And then as most of the people had kind of trickled out, he came back in uh, and he just kind of came up to me and, uh, you know, said that he he wanted to say thanks uh, and just to encourage me because the connection that he felt with God, he, he said, I, fe- I feel connected to God because uh, of the time that you were here. You know, I, I really didn't have a place in my faith uh, at all, really. And then uh, I started coming here and I just felt something different while I was here. Uh, and so whenever he went to South Carolina for school, he found a church there and got plugged in at his church. Uh, he met his wife at church, and then he ended up going on some mission trips to Cuba with his church. And now he said him and his wife are serving uh, in the church that they attend in Greenville, South Carolina, working with first graders uh, on Wednesday nights at their church. And, and it was just so encouraging uh, to hear his story and to hear of what God did in his life. And it just kind of reminded me, and, and hopefully maybe it'll encourage you to think about uh, that God is at work um, in, in our lives. And even when we don't see it or recognize it or, or know it, that God is still doing a work. And if we're faithfully following him, if we're doing our best, you know, following his footsteps, then the other people see that and they can be drawn to Christ because of it. And it also just reminded me of, of just how encouraging it is to have somebody tell you, you know, that you made a difference. And so I would invite you all, if there's somebody who's made a difference uh, in your walk with Christ, somebody who's made a difference in your life, to go and tell them about it, to share that with them. Uh, because when we have some kind of encouragement, you know, we can we can live for years off of just a little bit of encouragement. Uh, and so you can offer that gift to somebody else of just letting them know. So, I mean, maybe there's somebody and it's been ages, it's been years. I'd invite you to call them up and just say, hey, I want to say thanks because you helped lead me in Christ. And Uh, you know, and to think about the ways that you can do that with others. uh, Because it's incredible to see the ripple effects sometimes uh, that we don't even know are taking place just as we're faithfully following Christ. And so I'd encourage you to do that uh, this week. Amen. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate you, brother. Our scripture reading uh, on this first Sunday of Advent comes from Matthew chapter 25. Uh, We're reading verses 1 through 13. And Advent, again, is a season that reminds us that Jesus is coming. Uh, the word Advent comes from the Latin adventus, which uh, means arrival. And it was used to describe the ceremony uh, that takes place whenever a king or the emperor would enter into a city. I mean, there's a big celebration. Advent is this huge celebration of the king's arrival. And so as Christians, you know, we recognize Jesus as our king. And we are waiting and we are longing for him to come, for his arrival, for his coming again. And so Advent is a season that reminds us that he's coming again, to To have anticipation, to have excitement about what it means that he's coming. And what our scripture passage reminds us of this morning is not only that Jesus is coming, but it reminds us of our need to be ready. And so we're reading in Matthew chapter 25, beginning here in verse 1, it says... Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look! Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Hey, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. So this story that Jesus tells centers around a wedding banquet. And the wedding banquet uh, is probably... In Jesus' time, the biggest celebration of the year, right? If there's a wedding that's taking place, uh, it's a huge party. It's a huge festivity. I mean, we're talking like seven days of just getting down, right? I mean, they are really excited about it. And in the story that Jesus is telling, he wants us to have this sense of excitement and anticipation about the heavenly banquet, Right? The, the wedding banquet is symbolic for us of, of heaven, of everlasting life, of our being present with Jesus. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. And as Jesus is coming, as the groom is coming, it's reminding us as the bridesmaids to be ready. That he's coming and we need to be ready. Because when he comes, we've got a big celebration to have. When Jesus comes, we're going to party hard. Right? I mean, because Jesus is coming again, it marks the defeat of Satan's earthly reign. It establishes Christ's kingdom of peace and righteousness in its place. When Jesus comes, he's coming to set everything right. He's coming in the fullness of his justice. He's coming in the fullness of his mercy. He's coming to set right the things that are wrong, to heal the things that are broken, to make us new. He's coming to establish a new heaven and a new earth. Right? I mean, it's a great cause for joy and for excitement and for celebration. This wedding banquet that Jesus is inviting us to, that he's telling us about in this story, is, is one that we need to be ready for. And so uh, as Jesus is telling this story, we kind of recognize pretty quickly that weddings and receptions today are a little bit different than they were back in Jesus' day. I mean, we're not going out with our lamps and getting ready uh, but in Jesus' time, they would have fully understood what he was saying and what was going on. Uh, again, a wedding feast would last about seven days. And the procession of the bride and the groom marked the beginning of the event. So as the bridegroom is wait, as the bridesmaids are all waiting uh, for the groom to appear, I mean, they're waiting for this party to get started. Now, in the story that Jesus tells, uh, there's an expectation that the bridesmaids would be waiting. Everybody knows that that's what their job is. That's what they're doing. They're waiting for the arrival of the groom and they're going to greet him with this procession of light and the darkness. And the bridesmaids are either waiting at the bride's house for the groom to arrive and then uh, to come and fetch her, to come and get her and then the party gets started or they're waiting at the home of the groom's family where the wedding is going to take place. But they're there and they're waiting for that moment when the groom comes. Now, all the maids have either lamps or large torches. They're all waiting in eager expectation for the time that he will appear. Now, in this story uh, that Jesus tells, the groom is delayed. And we might kind of think that's not a great thing, right? I mean, if you're showing up late to your wedding, that's a, that's a bad sign. Uh, though I, I did hear somebody this morning say that her husband showed up you know 10 minutes late for their wedding but they've been married for 50 years. So it's possible. I wouldn't advise it though. Uh, but but in this story, uh and then what Jesus is telling and in his time, it's it's not something uncommon for a groom to be delayed. I mean, the bridesmaids they're they're just waiting and waiting for that time that he would appear. It's not something that's uncommon. Everybody knew that these bridesmaids needed to be prepared and be ready. I mean, there could be any number of reasons why the groom could be late. Maybe they're finishing the preparations. You know, maybe there's some last-minute negotiations between the groom and the bride's family about the gifts that would be exchanged along with this marriage. Uh, but the delay wouldn't catch the listeners off guard. Right? They knew, okay, these bridesmaids need to be prepared. It's really not even an odd thing that they fall asleep. I mean, Jesus is just kind of telling the story, and he's letting us know, hey, it's been a while, and sometimes you, know, you may get tired. Uh, and it's not that big of a deal because both the foolish and the wise bridesmaids fall asleep. It's not like there's one that does and one that doesn't. They're both asleep. The point of crisis in this story is when the bridegroom comes, and only the wise bridesmaids have oil with them. The foolish ones have run out. Their lamps have gone out. They're, they're trying to get it started. They don't have any oil. Only the wise bridesmaids are truly ready for the groom to appear. And it's only those who are ready when the groom comes that can enter into the wedding banquet. Jesus kind of sums up the point of this story in verse 13. It says, Keep watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now church, we know that Jesus is coming. We don't know when. Are you ready? All right, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again so I can take you to be with me there. He tells us he's preparing a place for us. He tells us he's coming again. Are you ready? The psalmist reminds us in chapter 103, verse 15 and 16, he says, as for mortals, their days are like grass, They flourish like a flower of the field, and the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. Are you ready? Life is fleeting. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Are are you ready to meet with Jesus? See, more important than having your funeral home picked out, your will written out, your benefits assigned, your health care wishes spelled out. It's to know that you're ready to meet with Jesus. I mean, as important as these things are, and I would invite you to make sure you've got all those boxes checked. It'll save your family a lot of heartache and headache. I can refer you to somebody even if you'd like. But even more so than making sure you've got all of those things ready is to make time to know that you're ready to meet with Jesus. When he comes, are you ready? The story is told of the Prince of Wales. Uh, He's on a visit to the Midlands there in England. Uh, Stops in at a working man's home, just by chance. Stops in his house one day. The next day, the man goes to work, and he's gathered with his work friends. He says, "I never expected him, nor did my wife. The house was untidy. It was unkept. I hadn't washed, and we shall never forgive ourselves." We had known that he was coming; we would have been ready. Church, we know that Jesus is coming. We know that the King is coming. Are you ready? He told us he was coming. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I wonder if I'm ready. You know, I, I wonder. You know, is my life in order? I mean, I make my share, uh, my fair share of mistakes. At moments of sin, especially, I question, am I ready? Am I ready? And I'm not just saying this as like a sermon illustration. I mean, I'm probably thinking through this in part because, you know, a few weeks back, my wife and I were having a conversation about it. and It's kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready or not. What, what is it that I need to do to be ready? Because, you know, I, I look at my life, and I don't know that my life fully reflects Jesus. I mean, do I love like Jesus loved? Am I patient with others the way that he's been patient with me? Am I slow to anger? Am I kind? Do my words and my attitude reflect the kindness and the mercy of Christ in conversation with others? Do I willingly give myself in service to others not not to check a box not to feel good about myself not because i know it's the right thing to do but out of out of my heart out of what god has done in my life am i willingly laying down myself in service to others do i give of myself sacrificially of my time my talent my resources for the sake of his kingdom i mean when i hold myself up in the to the mirror of jesus and i look at him i look at me like i'm not i'm not there i'm not I'm not ready. So where do I find hope? Where do any of us find hope? Because it can't be hope that's based on our works. It can't be hope that's based on anything that we've done. Scripture says that all of our good works are like filthy rags. So where do I find hope? It's only in what he's done for me. I find hope resting in the mercies of God of God. My hope isn't in my faithfulness. My hope has to be in his. Right, my hope is not in my goodness, but it's in his. My hope isn't in my own righteousness. It's in his righteousness alone. And this isn't said to excuse any of the ways that I might fall short, but rather to say that I thank God that he's still working on me. I thank God that he hasn't given up on me i thank god that his mercies are new every morning i thank god that there's an invitation every day to listen and to follow in his ways and his paths and his footsteps there's an invitation each and every day to lean not on my own understanding but to acknowledge him and to follow in his path because i want to be a part of that wedding banquet I don't want to miss out. I want to have oil in my lamp when the bridegroom comes. I want to be ready. And I hope that you are too. And so, what does it look like for us to be ready? What does it look like to have a little bit of oil in your lamp? Well, the first thing is that you trust in Jesus alone as your source of salvation. Now, have you invited him to be your Savior? Have you said, yes, Jesus, I need you to come in to cleanse out my sin, to make me new? I I believe in the work that you've done. I I believe that you came to earth perfect and sinless, that you died on the cross for my sins, that your blood was shed on my behalf, and that you rose from the dead so that I can have forgiveness of my sin, that I can have new life because of your work. Have you... Have you said that? Have you invited him to come in as your savior? If you want to be ready, that's the first thing. In Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the first step. If you want to be ready, if you want to be a part of that wedding banquet, if you want to be able to celebrate for all of eternity with him, you got to first say, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. The second step of being ready I guess maybe to have that little flask of oil on the side as you're waiting and as you're watching. The second stage of being ready is to listen for his voice as he guides your steps. And not only say, Jesus, I, I trust in you as my Savior. But say, Jesus, I trust and I follow you as my Lord. I, I'm not just seeing Jesus as as a ticket to heaven but I'm seeing him as the one who's going to guide and direct my path and my steps. The one who's going to mold and shape and model me and my character so that I might look more like Jesus. So that I might sound more like Jesus. So that I can have the eyes to see the way that God sees. To see the people around me, the situations around me. Not through my own eyes, but through his eyes. So when I speak, I speak not from, not from my experience or my wisdom, but I speak based on his word. His word based on the knowledge that comes in and through God, living and dwelling within me? Are you letting God's grace transform your character? Are, are you saying, Jesus, point out in me the ways that don't fully reflect you? Search me, oh God. Search me and find any way that doesn't reflect your purity. Are you, are you saying, Jesus, I'm going I'm to lay aside All of the distractions, all of the things, all of the sin that entangles me and keeps me from living fully for you because I'm going to put my trust and my hope in you. I'm following you with everything that I have. Are you letting him lead and guide your steps and listening for his voice? John Wesley, uh, the founder of the Methodist movement, he was asked what he would do if he knew that his Lord was to return at that same time the next day. Basically, what Wesley said was, well, I would go to bed and go to sleep, and I would wake up in the morning and go on with my work, for I would want him to find me doing what he had appointed me to do. What has God appointed for you? What is the work that he should find you doing because he's called you to do it? What is it that God has for you in this moment that he's inviting you to step forward into? And I mean, if you're still here on earth, I think everybody in this room still is, uh, God has something for you. He's placed you in a certain position, a certain spot, a certain place within a certain sphere of influence. He's placed people in your path at such a time as this because there's a work, there's a mission, there's a ministry, there's a calling that he has for you, there's a purpose that he has for you at this time. and He's inviting you to take the time to to listen for what it is. If you're not sure of what it is, to take the time each day to be involved in his word as he spells out for you what it looks like to follow him, to, to take the time as you pray, not only uh, to pray and say, God, here's all the things that I want, but to take the time to listen and say, God, what is your will for me? To listen in the morning, to listen in the midday, to listen in the evening, to take the time and say, God, I know that you're working and I know that you're inviting me into the work that you're doing. Help me to see the people that you place on my path that you're inviting me to go to. Help me to see and recognize the people that you're inviting me to share your good news with. Help me to see the places where you're inviting me to go and share your justice and your mercy. Help me to see the places where there's brokenness and there's hurt in the world and you're inviting me to step in and offer the healing power of Christ. God has a purpose for you and that you're here. He's placing people in your path, and he's inviting you to share his good news with them. There's an appointed work for you. We have to listen for what it might be. So this morning, if you haven't taken that first step of being ready, I would just invite you to, to start there, uh, to say, yes, Jesus, I put my hope and my trust in you to be my Savior. I know that I, know that I need a Savior. I know that I need your forgiveness within my life. I know that I've sinned and I've fallen short and I put my hope and my trust in you, that you are the source of my salvation. I'd invite you to first say that prayer and, and invite him to come in and forgive you of your sins and allow him to transform your life. And then if you've taken that first step, I'd invite you to take that next step and say, you know what, Jesus, I've trusted you as my savior. I'm gonna start trusting you as my Lord. I'm gonna take the time to, to listen Uh, to your voice each day. I want to take the time to follow where you lead. I'm going to love others in the way that you have loved me. I'm going to forgive others in the way that you've forgiven me. I'm going to share your compassion and your grace with others the same way that you've shared it with me. And then listen and follow as he leads. If you've you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've put your trust in him as your Lord, then there's a great call for us to, to celebrate and then to go and help others be ready. Because Jesus invites everybody to his wedding banquet. The invitation isn't just for a few. But he's offered that invitation to all. And he's invited us to be the messengers who share that invitation of hope, of love, of joy and peace with the people around us. He's invited us to go out and invite others to the great wedding feast. To let them know that Jesus is coming. To let them know that we need to be ready. And so if you said yes to him as your Savior, if you said yes as your Lord, then he's inviting you to be his messenger and to share that good news with others. Let us pray together today. Gracious God, we thank you for what you've done for us in and through Jesus Christ. We thank you uh, that we can celebrate not only that Jesus came, and that he died, that he rose again, but we can celebrate that he is coming again. We know, Lord, that you are preparing uh, a bride, your church, that is going to be ready for that day. And Lord, we pray that not only would we be ready, but that we might hear that great call to share your good news with those around us. That Jesus is coming to set the world right. Uh, that he's coming and he's preparing a place, a new heaven and a new earth, where we can celebrate and know the, f- the fullness of your kingdom, the fullness of your grace, the fullness of your mercy. Lord, help us to be ready. And may we invite others to share in that as well. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.